What's going on, NFL fans? This is Kevin Haswell with my uh, co-host, Connor McCarthy, and this is our first premiere episode of Goal to Go. It's an NFL-centric uh, podcast. A uh, little bit about ourselves for the first episode. Just want to let you know who you're listening to. Um, Kevin Haswell, uh, staff writer for Big Blue View. Uh, it's the SB Nation Giant, New York Giants blog. And we have Connor McCarthy as our co-host. Um, he'll be on, on every episode with me. He is a uh, staff writer for Signal Caller Central, which is a QB-centric NFL blog. Uh, you should check both of them out. Um, we actually both work for JMU's uh, student newspaper. I'm the sports, me, Kevin Haswell, I'm the sports editor. And Connor McCarthy is a staff writer for the staff. So um, lots of sports knowledge here, and we're excited to dive in some topics today. Um, and we, we hope to be on iTunes and tune in soon. So quickly jump into some topics um, going around the NFL. So the first one is the Chiefs. You look around power rankings on everyone's power rankings. They're one or two. Uh, a lot of teams thinking their team to be. I even saw ESPN the other day talking about whether Kareem Hunt was NFL MVP at this point in the season, which I think is a little premature. Um, but, Connor, the Chiefs the team to beat. Well, right now, I'm going to go ahead and say they are. The Chiefs are one of the most talented teams, I think, on offense and defense. They have a real good balance right now. Alex Smith obviously playing the best football of his career. He has a 134.1 QBR through the first two games. He's throwing it downfield this year, and that's something that people sometimes criticize him for. But his check down game is opening things up for playmakers like Tyreek Hill, who are, are so fast that they can just make plays. And Kareem Hunt obviously emerging as one of the premier backs in the NFL even through the first two weeks. He's shown tremendous ability. I think that he's going to be a great player in the league for years to come. They have Travis Kelsey, who's also an explosive offensive playmaker. And just this team just gels together. I think Andy Reid's offense is perfect for the players he has right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I was diving into Alex Smith's numbers earlier today. Um, the 77.8 completion percentage is, is ridiculously high. Um, I know Alex Smith throughout his career has been a high completion quarterback, high completion percentage quarterback, but 77.8, that's above and beyond. Uh, very good. He's not just throwing a short pass like Connor alluded to. Uh, 619 passing yards through two games. He's on pace to be at 4,952 uh, passing yards at the end of the season, almost a 5,000-yard passer, which who would have thought Alex Smith, 5,000-yard passer. He also has not thrown an interception this year, so holding on to the ball, five touchdowns to zero interceptions. Um, and like you said, a, a QB rating of 134-1 and a QBR of 76-7. He's not losing them any games. And then, you know, you, d- you dive into Kareem Hunt, which, like I said, ESPN and some other outlets talking about how he maybe could be the NFL MVP um, to this point in the season. He's averaging 7.6 yards per carry. That's, that's ridiculous, especially in the NFL where the defensive lines are, you know, very talented. Um, he's on pace to be a 1,000-yard rusher this year, 229 uh, he's on pace to actually be a 1800 rush for 1800 yards this year, which would eclipse Ezekiel Elliott last year, um, leading the NFL with 229 rushing yards this year. I know that's 30 yards best than the second place guy. Um, it, three touchdowns, and he's not just doing it in the in the running game. In the passing game, eight receptions, 126 yards. They're not all dump downs. 15.8 yards per catch. Uh, he, he's really showing that. Uh, he's living up to the hype, and, and it's exciting because Kareem Hunt, the Chiefs, uh, always been known, the Chiefs have always been known for a great defense, but 
uh, definitely showing a powerful offense this year. So speaking of that, let's talk about the defense for a second. They may have lost Eric Berry, which is the biggest thing going against the Chiefs right now. I feel like he was the heart and the soul of the team. He's a great leader. He'll still be around the team to give him advice and everything, but that guy, you can't really replace him. Nope. But they still do have Derek Johnson and Justin Houston, who are great pass rushers. Justin Houston get up there in age, but he still is effective. And they have playmaking cornerback Marcus Peters, who I think needs to step up the most out of the team. He's definitely a ball hawk. You've seen it in the first couple of years. Definitely. But he needs to transition more to a, just a lockdown corner and not just be this one-play guy where he makes a pick six or something like that. And those Chiefs' overall defense is still great and one of the best teams in, uh, defenses in the, in the AFC. So I think that will still be fine for them. But the offense and the defense combined, that makes the Chiefs one of the best teams in the NFL. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because Eric Berry was a huge loss. Uh, really held down uh, Gronkowski in the first game against the Patriots. Um, but then, you know, it's tough to torn Achilles after cancer um, and after the torn ACL. So, uh, But if you look at the defensive numbers – Everyone thinks the Chiefs' defense has been terrific this year when that really has not been the case. They're allowing 23.5 points per game, 24th in the NFL. They're allowing 388 yards per game, which, um, let me load this for a second, is 28th in the NFL. So I know prematurely two games in, they got a lot of talent on that defense, but uh, the offense has really been carrying them so far. And it will be very scary if the offense can keep up to where it's at right now. To get, can keep up to where it's at right now, and the defense can catch up to how good the offense has been. Chiefs are a scary team, but uh, I'll let let you. We'll go to you in a second, Connor. I know you're itching to talk right now, but uh, my my team to beat. I wouldn't say the Chiefs are the team to beat. Not even in the AFC. I think the Patriots are the team to beat. Um, they showed it again this week. Tom Brady with three touchdown passes in the first quarter, and and you know the Patriots blew out the Saints. So. Uh, what are your thoughts, Connor? Well, I wouldn't say the Patriots are the team to beat right now just because of how they played the first two weeks. I know Tom Brady had the great day against the Saints who give up five touchdowns to everybody. So let's, um, going back, the Chiefs did still play the Patriots and the Eagles who are still talented offenses, so that might inflate their defensive numbers a little bit. But if I was going to pick any other team besides the Chiefs right now to be the top contender, I'd go with the Steelers in all honesty. I know the first two games they haven't looked 100% on offense, but their defense has looked pretty good. And eventually Antonio Brown, Martavis Bryant, Le'Veon Bell, and Ben Roethlisberger on the field is going to produce some crazy offensive days. And once Le'Veon Bell starts to get going, I think that the Steelers are going to be a great team, and I think they could be the best team. Yeah, see, I, I like your pick of the Steelers. Uh, we'll, we'll touch on Le'Veon Bell later in the show. Uh, Le'Veon Bell has struggled so far this year. Um, you know, some, some media members irritating Tomlin with the questions about uh, Le'Veon Bell, uh, if the reason he was struggling was because he missed training camp. Um, and, and it seems like that could be part of the issue, um, not all of the issue. But the Steelers are a great pick. You know, I, I was skeptical because, you know, week one, they, they really weren't getting the ball to Martavius Bryant. And I, I was wondering, you know, after one week, um, maybe a year off without Martavius Bryant, you know, maybe he's getting phased out of the offense. But then he had a great game this weekend, three three catches, 91 yards, and a touchdown. So um, he showed his elusiveness. Antonio Brown has been uh, terrific. And, you know, once Le'Veon Bell gets on track, that offense is terrific. Um, so, yeah, I, I like the Steelers. Still think the Patriots are the team to beat. Um, I, I, would, I would say the Chiefs, in my opinion, are ahead of, of the, uh, the Steelers on the teams to beat in the AFC, but um, I guess we'll have to agree to disagree on that subject. 
All right, so I'm going to go ahead and transition to talking fully about Le'Veon Bell. And first off, I'm going to say, Martavis Bryant having the game he did last week is really going to start helping Le'Veon Bell, in my opinion. Like you said, the first week, Martavis Bryant didn't do much. He didn't really wasn't really a part of the offense. So Martavis Bryant, when he's on the field and healthy and making a difference, he opens up the field so much. People have to worry about him going deep every single play. And when that happens, they play farther off the line. And that's going to open up even more holes for Le'Veon Bell. Bell also played Minnesota last week, who has a stingy defense, and was focused on stopping Bell. You saw how many people were swarming to Bell as soon as he got the ball. And, like you said, there's a little bit of rust there. The same thing happened last year when uh, Bell was coming off suspension. I think the first five games he didn't have a touchdown. And then the rest of the year he had like nine touchdowns in the last six games, I believe. And he just needs to get back into a rhythm. Once he does, this offense is going to be unstoppable, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, you look at Le'Veon Bell, it's not about the touches. He's still getting, he has 37 carries in two games. Uh, but it is a cause for concern, you know, 3.2 yards per carry. Uh, like we talked about earlier, uh, Kareem Hunt with over 7 yards a carry this year. I know he's been tremendous. Um, but it's not only in the running game. I mean, he doesn't have a touchdown receiving or rushing this year, which is hard to believe from a guy um, who has been a touchdown machine in his career with 26 total touchdowns. Uh, no, not 31 total touchdowns, 26 rushing and five um, receiving. And 3.2 yards a carry is concerning, but then it's also concerning that he's only averaging 2.7 yards per reception. Uh, usually they get him going in the screen game, some quick outs, but uh, it doesn't seem to be working the Steelers' offense this year. Uh, Connor, what do you think the issue is with Le'Veon Bell this year? Honestly, if I've been watching the games and everything, and I've, I've seen it where there's just this one moment where he usually breaks a tackle and then he's gone for about 30 yards. And honestly, he, he commented on that last time in a press conference saying that he feels there's one or two plays where yeah. he could have been gone. Like Specifically, I saw a screenplay where he was one-on-one with a defensive lineman who came outside and Le'Veon caught it and usually he makes a spin move, gets past the guy, and he would have been gone. There was, no, there was open field for days. But the guy took him down with a hand to his uh, leg. So Le'Veon knows that he's one tackle away from just breaking it and getting back into rhythm. And I think that the playing time, it's, he's going to catch up the game speed. I mean, it's just like a baseball player when they come back and start facing 99-mile-per-hour fastballs after being on the DL for some time. It takes a little time to readjust to the professional level. And I think a player of his talent that averaged 4.9 yards per carry in each of his last two seasons is going to get back on track, especially in an offense as potent as the Steelers. Yeah, um, you know, I, I don't know – I don't know if you can pinpoint the um, lack of production to him miss tr- missing training camp, but uh, that definitely was a cause for concern for the team. Uh, going into training camp, uh, a lot of players, you know, really find their place in the offense. They get to know the playbook, if anything's changed. Uh, and, and Bell didn't get that chance. You know, he was uh, going after more money, and he was at home uh, working on his craft and stuff. But the Steelers would have loved to have him in camp, and I'm sure if he was in camp, he, he would have – more production, but uh, Connor, I'll pose this question. Can you attribute his lack of production directly to him missing training camp? I really, I can't put it 100% on that. I really can't. I, I just think that circumstantial, once again, he's missing a couple tackles and everything, and like some, I think it's a matter of circumstance. And the main thing with me with Le'Veon Bell that I'm happy to see is he's healthy right now. He's healthy. 
and he's not suspended. He's on the field, and the Steelers ramped up his workload to 30 touches last game, and he still he seems 100% healthy. That's the main thing the Steelers need to do because eventually I believe Le'Veon Bell will get back into shape and be the dominant player he's always been. So I'm not going to attribute it directly to the training camp and him missing and everything, but I will say it has contributed to his sluggish start. Yeah, I mean, for all those fantasy owners out there, Le'Veon Bell's average draft position um, was about two this year, and he's the 25th position-ranked quarter or running back, according to ESPN this year. So really not giving you the production. Uh, week one, only 7.7 points in a PPR league. Uh, and this week, 13.1 looks a little bit better. Uh, but still, cause for concern for fantasy owners and for the Steelers that Le'Veon Bell is not producing. Um, but we'll move on to our next topic. Uh, the Ravens' defense has been terrific this year, only allowing um, – let's see. They're only allowing – they're top five in the NFL in, in points per game allowed this year. Um, how good is this Ravens' defense? Well, I'm going to go ahead and say they have 11 total turnovers in the first two games, and that's the most in the NFL. They also have eight sacks. So this this defense is literally carrying this team right now. I know Joe Flacco is coming back from surgery, and he needs some time and everything, and the Ravens' offense, let's face it, has never been an explosive offense under Joe Flacco. So it's always been on the defense of the Ravens. And under Harbaugh, they've always been a great unit, even in some of their down years. Uh, they've had injuries and everything, but they've still been a solid unit. And this year, they're healthy. Such Terrell Suggs, and they have Jimmy Smith on the outside, Timmy Jerner. Um, they have Eric Weddle, who's a great playmaker still. He may be getting up there in age, but he's made a couple picks and big plays. So honestly, I think this uh, Ravens defense can really carry this team until the offense and Flacco starts getting back on track and being uh, competitive. Yeah, um... The one thing I have to say is I, I think it's a little premature to say the Ravens' defense is actually good this year. Um, they have played two very bad teams so far. They played the Bengals, who I think Connor could go out and play better quarterback play than Andy Dalton. Um, they fired their offensive coordinator, so things not right in, in Cincinnati. I think any defense would go out there and, and force a, a ton of turnovers against them. Um, and then they played the Browns last week, which Deshaun Kaiser – He's been all right this year, but he didn't even play the whole game. They brought in Hogan because Kaiser had the had the migraines. Not sure if I should pull his man card for that. But, you know, they, they haven't played a terrific offense this year, and it will be interesting. Um, I haven't looked at their schedule. Uh, let's see who they play next week. They play the Jaguars. So, you know, more turnovers for them next week because Blake Bortles turnover machine at quarterback. And the, the real test will come uh, week four. They play the Steelers. Uh, 1 o'clock on CBS, be a great game. And um, to see that offense play that defense, they'll finally get their tests. But I, I, I can't buy into the Ravens' defense when they played the Bengals, the Browns, and then they play Blake Bortles and the Jaguars next week. I, I think it's a little premature. Um, but, yeah. You're definitely right about they haven't played the best level of competition. But I'm not going to take that away from them because you would expect a dominant defense to do exactly what they've done against uh, the Browns and – Andy Dalton in the first week. And what makes me think the defense is here to stay is uh, the amount of, of players getting involved. So, just, so Terrell Suggs has three sacks for the Ravens this year, and five other players have a sack for the Ravens. That means that they have a lot of depth, and they're getting to the quarterback in various ways. And I think that they're finally healthy enough to make a real difference this year. And I'm ta- I think the Ravens are legit, and I think that their defense is going to carry them to a playoff berth. 
So kind of an unrelated note, uh, the, the Panthers, I was looking through these numbers, and the Panthers are actually the best defense in the NFL so far this season on points allowed per game, only allowing three points per game. Uh, they, have, they have played the 49ers and the Bills, two of the worst teams in the NFL this year. But the Bills do have a decent offense with Tyrod Taylor and LaShawn McCoy. And, you know, the 49ers showed that they can play with, play with some teams. Like They played the Seahawks close this week, a 12-9 game. Uh, really a pitiful football game to watch as a fan, but a uh, great defensive game. Do you buy into the Panthers' defense? You know, they, they, were, they struggled last year without Josh Norman, um, and everyone had them, the Panthers, as a great bounce-back candidate. Have you bought into their defense? I think the Panthers' defense is really good. And I'm going to be a little bit of a hypocrite here when I say that I think that the 49ers and the Buffalo Bills have two of the worst offenses in the NFL right now. I know Tyrod Taylor's exciting, and I still think he's a good quarterback. But the talent there, besides LaShawn McCoy, he has really no, no proven target to throw to. Charles Clay might be his best target, and he struggles to stay on the field. So when you look at the Panthers' defense, I think they're a good unit, but I think they're missing the secondary help to be an elite like the Ravens do. Yeah, I mean, I, I've been a big fan of the Panthers over the last two years. Um, just, just for the viewers' uh, sake, I'd like to say our two favorite teams. I, I'm a huge Buccaneers fan, uh, and Connor's a huge Redskins fan. So uh, when we talk, we, we are a little biased on those sides. But uh, when I say I'm a huge fan of the Panthers, I'm really not a huge fan of the Panthers. I'm a huge fan of their play, not a huge fan of the team. But I, I think after last year, I, I was very surprised with how losing Norman and, you know, just how they went out and played and how Cam Newton just didn't play well last year irritated me personally as a fantasy football owner. I drafted him pretty high last year as my number one quarterback off the board, and he, he did not show up. Um, but I going into the season, they were one of my teams that I looked at, and I was they could really flip the script and go from uh, a team that won less than 10 games to a, tem- a team that wins over 10 games. Uh, we'll talk about it later, but Panthers, very impressive. So, on to our next topic. Um, can the Bucks or the Panthers rival the Falcons in the South? Um, the, the Atlanta Falcons really impressed, giving uh, Aaron Rodgers some headaches over the weekend with a big win against the Packers. Uh, this same Falcons team that had a 28-3 lead over the Patriots in the Super Bowl, uh, most of their players returning. Do you think either the Bucks or the, the Panthers can, can rival the Falcons in the South? And if so, which one? So I'm going to say this right now. The Falcons going into the season, I did not think they would have the same season as last year. They've done this before under Matt Ryan where they've had a great year, gone all the way to the um, NFC Championship or the Super Bowl, and then they've come apart the next year. So far from what I've seen, they look to have picked up right where they left off last season. Matt Ryan looks great. Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman are still getting involved. I thought that might be an issue with Kyle Shanahan going to San Francisco because he definitely likes to get his running backs involved. But they still they, have the talent. Yeah, they still have the talent. Austin Hooper, I think, is going to be a really good tight end in this league. He's made a couple good big plays. Julio Jones is Julio Jones. I mean, this team is extremely talented, and they showed with stomping of the Packers. I know the Packers had a couple injuries and everything, but they dominated them in all aspects of the game, and I think the Falcons are going to be a great team. With that being said, I think the Bucks are actually a good team this year. I, I watching. Wait, can you can you say that yeah, again I, for the I, viewers? I, 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 whatever, whatever. But the Bucks are actually a good team this year. From what I saw the first week, 
Winston looked great in the limited throws he did because they dominated the Bears so much. I thought the Bears weren't even that bad a team coming in, which I still don't think they're that bad a team, and the Bucks made them look silly. They made them look ridiculous. And the young defensive talent on the Bucks too, Levante David, I mean, all of them making plays, Jerry McCoy, I think the Bucks could contend with anybody this year on all honesty. Yeah, you know, kind of biased coming from me as a Buccaneers fan. Uh, to answer your question, you're probably thinking, why in the heck is Kevin a Buccaneers fan? So when I was five years old, I sent a letter to the Buccaneers after they won the Super Bowl. Uh, sent it to Jake or John Gruden. He actually sent me a personal letter back with an autographed picture of him during the Super Bowl. Um, and ever since, I've been a Bucks fan. But, yes, the Bucks with the hype this year. Going into hard knocks, you know, a lot of pressure on the team. They've, they've shown so far, I mean, it's, it's one game, and it's against a very mediocre team. But they showed how good that defense can be. Uh, the one key factor I've seen, the, the one thing I want to say is they, they have a Pro Bowl talent at every level of that defense. And I think that's going to be terrific for them this year. You know, Gerald McCoy, all pro, defensive tackle. You go to the linebacker court, which is really strong. Um, you have uh, Quan Alexander out of LSU. He, he's an all pro talent. He hasn't made an all-pro team yet, but he has the talent. Levante David has been all-pro. And Beckwith, out of LSU, mending well with Quan Alexander. So, And then you look at the secondary. Great get with T.J. Ward. T.J. Ward played great this week. And, you know, it's, it's not often you see, you know, you see it with Joe Hayden, but an all-pro type talent gets just released by a team. It's not often you see that. Uh, we saw it with Joe Hayden. We saw it with, with T.J. Ward. And the, and the Bucks came in, gave him his $5 million and big get. Because if there was one weakness in that defense before they got T.J. Ward, it was in the safeties. Um, and then, you know, Vernon Hargraves is coming along great. He, you know, last year struggled a little bit because on the other side they weren't as good defensively sound. Um, but I, I definitely like what I've seen out of this Bucks defense. And I saw this – I'll let Connor get to this in a second. I just love to talk about the Buccaneers. But on the offensive side, Deshaun Jackson – he really helped this offense. I mean, I saw they would have to double him. Um, they would also have to double Mike Evans. They can't do both at the same time. And, and they got open. You know, Deshaun Jackson didn't have a huge game, but it definitely opened up routes for, for Mike Evans down the field. He had a touchdown catch in the corner on a beautiful throw by Jameis Winston. So uh, I'm really excited to see what this offense can do. Jaquiz Rogers also been terrific on the offense. I, I honestly have nothing bad to say about the Bucks except the kicking situation. Nick Folk. Needs to hit his extra points, but I, I like the Buccaneers. One game in, but I like them. I'm gonna I'm gonna go to the offense again. I think the real key factor on offense is the depth they have at tight end and how talented they are. Cameron Brayton, OJ Howard. I mean, that's two I think above average tight ends right now that could make a huge difference down the road stretch for James, especially once he gets com- more comfortable with OJ Howard and Howard learns the offense even better. And I'm going to go back to the defense. Like you said, T.J. Ward, that that pickup is ridiculous. You don't see his ta- uh, safety of his talent go on the open market like that. It's just like like you said, Josh Norman last year with the Redskins. When Josh Norman went on the open market, the Redskins immediately jumped on him, and they got him in the building. And it tr- helped our secondary tremendously. And I think it gives a real attitude to him. And so I think the Bucks they could be the team to beat in the South, in all honesty. Yeah, well – I, I wouldn't let's, – let's cool your horses there. We're talk, we talked about the Falcons earlier. Um, the Falcons are definitely the team to beat. I think we both can agree on that. Uh, the Bucks definitely a wild card option with the Panthers. Uh, they could win the division. You never know. But it, it's very interesting because we're, we're really talking about this division as this conversation develops. I'm really starting to see how good this division is. Um, the worst team is obviously the Saints. 
but the Saints have a ton of talent. Um, the Panthers, great. Bucks, great. Falcons, great. It, Connor, let me pose this question: Are they the best? Is this the best division in the NFL? I'm gonna still go with the AFC West with that, but uh, I think that they're definitely talented. I think the Saints, and I, I'm gonna say the Panthers. I don't think the Panthers are that great. I really don't think that. Maybe they'll prove me wrong in the upcoming weeks. I know they haven't played good talent yet, and they haven't scored a lot of points. It worries me a little bit, but we'll see what over under that. seven and a half wins for the Panthers. Yeah, I'm going under. Under seven and a half they wins. Have two wins right now. You heard it here. I'm, you heard Viewers, here. mark it down on your papers. It, it, it wouldn't surprise me they go sixteen and zero this year because the year that they went fifteen and one or whatever they went. A lot of people uh, yeah. took the yeah, under. Yeah, on a that. lot of people would have took the under on that. So it's we'll see what happens with the Panthers. But I think this town, this division, I think it's the best quarterback division by far. I'm gonna say that right now. It is a hundred percent the best quarterback division in the league. Drew Brees is on the worst team, and he's the best quarterback. Him and Matt Ryan. I know you can go hand in hand, whatever. You could all, you are you could almost argue after Cam Newton took them to the Super Bowl oh, okay. that Cam Newton's in the same conversation. I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and say that it's still the best quarterback division. Drew Brees is a sure thing Hall of Famer, so I'm still go with him right now. But still, when you have quarterbacks like that, your team has a chance to win every single week. Yep. And that's what the AFC South has. Yeah, but you're you're definitely seeing it. I know we're going off topic a little bit. Um, we were originally talking about who can rival the Falcons, but. You can definitely see in the Saints' offense that they are really struggling without Brandon Cooks. They really don't have anyone that can stretch the field for Drew Brees, uh, not getting as much time to throw, and you're, you're seeing it. You know, Like I said with Deshaun Jackson, just having a guy on the team that can just run the fly route and be a threat on every play to go deep, it, it pays dividends for the offense. And, and without Brandon Cooks, it, it's going to be tough for the Saints to win eight or nine games. And you're right with that. And he's also missing Willie Sneed, who's become one of his favorite targets over the past couple of years. He's coming off suspension after next week, I believe. He yep. has a three-game suspension. And we'll see how that helps Drew Brees out. But right now, this offense is lacking identity, kind of. I mean, Adrian Peterson has caused a lot of trouble in that locker room recently, too. And honestly, I don't think that's going to be – it's not going to be good going forward. They need to get that committee at least broken down a little bit and just see who's the lead back there because – Camaro has looked good in his touches. Ingram has looked okay. Peterson even looks, I mean, looks like an average running. Uh, Six carries. We can't, Six we can't, yeah, we can't jump to conclusions. You're 100% right. But I, he's not doing himself any favors by causing trouble in that locker room and standing up to the head coach. I ultimately think that the Saints trade him by midseason. I, I think he's you. a big trade candidate. There are some open, open running back committees out there that would love to have Adrian Peterson in the backfield. And I, I think he's looking for a situation, you know, when he signed the dotted line in New Orleans, I, I think he thought he was going to get 20 or 30 carries a game like he was getting with the Vikings, and that's just not the case. Um, you know, they want to see what they can get out of Alvin Kamara. And Mark Ingram has proved in the past he can be a top 15, top 10 running back in the league. So um, definitely a situation to watch down the stretch, but uh, Adrian Peterson's going to continue to be unhappy with, with the Saints. I don't think he gets the carries the rest of the year. 100% right. He won't last a year in New Orleans. So off to... Probably my most anticipated topic of the day. Uh, this will we'll talk about our predictions later. Um, that'll be a new topic on our show. But which team is the best team in the NFC East, Connor? Oh, this is tough for me. I mean, I am a huge Redskins fan, but I have to be honest right now. The team that scares me the most in the East is the Eagles. And I'm gonna tell you why. That defensive line is ridiculous. Timmy Jernigan, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, Benny Curry. Players like that, they just get to the quarterback. You saw in week one against the Redskins, Kirk never looked comfortable because they could send four men and, like, 
it, it just tore through our offensive line, and we have a talented line. So they're going to be doing this to teams all season long. Carson Wentz is developing as a quarterback. I saw it. He's making good plays. Uh, Nelson Aguilar is coming out as the type of player that they've always thought he would be. He's making plays. Alshon Jeffrey is great still. He proved it in the last game, 96 yards on touchdown, I believe. And I think that they're going to be a scary team. The only t- thing that I see as weakness right now is their backfield looks kind of sketchy with LeGarrette Blount and uh, Darren Sproles and Wendell Smallwood, so that needs to improve. But right now, I think the Eagles are the best in the NFC East. Yeah, so I I would probably have to go with the Eagles as well. Um, I, I know I've talked to Connor. We had a, a nice discussion before the show about the NFC East because, you know, it's very – Last year, two powerhouses at the top of the division with the Giants um, and the Cowboys. And, you know, the, the Redskins were very close to making the playoffs. Sad day for Connor. Um, losing a winnable game that they should have beat the, the Giants. But we'll, we won't talk about it. Um, so, I mean, you really look. And then the Eagles, disappointing year. But they started off the year 3-1, three, three and one, um, beating a Steelers team by over 30 points. So, but the year before that, it was, it was one of the most mediocre divisions in, in football. Um, it was the it was the year that the the winner I believe won nine games. NFC least. Yep. So it's it's an on and off thing. Um, I think it's a very mediocre division this year, as you can see. You look at the Cowboys. Cowboys just got dismantled by the Broncos over the weekend. I know it's tough to go on the road to the Mile High, but Zeke, Zeke looked awful. The offensive line didn't look as elite as they usually do. Uh, Dak Prescott. Um, didn't look great either. And then, you know, Des Bryant. I think I think Des Bryant is one of the most overrated wide receivers in football. I think he can only run two routes. Uh, he he I just don't think he's an elite receiver. I think I think he's on the outside looking in on the elite receivers. But I think the team to beat, I didn't even get to my point because I was just rambling so much. Eagles, I agree with Connor, team to beat in the NFC East. Uh, probably the best team right now, but the most talented teams are obviously still the Cowboys and the, and the Giants. The Giants offense hasn't been able to put it together yet. Um, who knows if they finally do? They need they need a running back. They need a they need a left tackle. Um, it was literally last night when they were playing the Lions. They had four offensive linemen. You you could have put a chair in front of um, Ziggy Ansah, and it would have been just as effective. Eli Manning had no time to throw. Receivers weren't getting open. Odell Beckham's only 80%. The Giants' offense did not look good, but the defense has looked good this year. It's just when you're on the field for two-thirds of the game, it's, it's hard to play great defense. So I would have to go with the Eagles. Uh, great offense. Carson Wentz finally coming along. Uh, the defense looks pretty good. And, you know, they're scoring 25 points a game, one top 15 in the NFL in scoring. So uh, watch out for the Eagles. I'm going to go back to the point you made earlier, and I can't believe I'm doing this right now, but I'm actually going to defend a Dallas Cowboys player right now. If you think that Des Bryant isn't an elite receiver, I think you're crazy. Des Bryant is obviously got tremendous talent, and you can ask the Redskins secondary how he's been beating them all these years. I mean, I think it's more of a product of Dak not being able to get Des the ball. I know we disagree on Dak Prescott a lot, but I just think that Des is one of the best talents in the NFL, but I'm not going to ramble on about that. Okay, I will so, so I, will, I will defend my point, Des Bryant has tremendous trouble with elite cornerbacks. You look on Sunday, had a lot of trouble with the keep to leap. He had one catch. It was a perfect throw by Dak Prescott. But other than that, he was shut down. Last year, against Janoris Jenkins, two catches in two games against the Giants. He always struggles with Josh Norman. Josh Norman 
makes everyone struggle. So I won't hold that against him. But he has trouble going against elite backs or secondary backs. I I don't think I think Tony Romo made look made Des Bryant look better than he actually is. You can go ahead. You can think that, and like that's a valid point. But if you look at Jordan Stinkins against Des this year, Des beat him on a couple plays. He beat him pretty bad on some plays. Made him look. Pretty foolish in some. Norris Jenkins was all over him. I thought there should have been more play, um, penalties called against him. And also, Josh Norman, yes, he hasn't allowed a touchdown when he's covering Dez. But Dez has beat him on some plays. I'm, I'm just, I just think Dez is a good player. That's all I'm saying. I'm going to try to get away from that topic right now. But I'm going to say about the NFC East, the best thing about that division, or the most entertaining thing about it, is how wild it is every year. It's really a division of streaks. Whatever team gets hot at the right time could make a push. They could be a, a good playoff caliber team. But like you're right, there's no – I don't think anybody's going to run away with this division. Obviously, after week one, there's three teams at 1-1 one and one and one team at 0-2. Oh but that could switch in four weeks. We talked about how the Giants went on a four-game winning streak or are now ahead of the division while the Cowboys are on a downward spiral. And then it could just switch all the way down the season. So I'm not going to make any set judgments yet. Right now, I think the Eagles are the team to beat. They look the best through the first two weeks. But it's so early in the season and in this division, you never know. Yeah, you know – I, I like the NFC East. It's always, always one of my favorite divisions to watch that in the NFC South for obvious reasons. Uh, the NFC East is always fun. They always have the storylines. Um, but, but this year, you know, I, one of our good friends, Thomas Gill, has been saying that um, Dak Prescott is overrated. And, you know, I've been quick to defend Dak. You know, you look at the record. Going into the last game, he was 10-0 against people outside the NFC East, which I don't care how good you are of a quarterback. That's a tremendous feat. You could be the worst quarterback in the world, but with a 10-0 record outside the NFC East, that's pretty dang good, and people have to give him credit for that. But he did not look good against the Broncos secondary, uh, struggled. I don't know if it was because they were on the road, weren't playing in, in Jerry's world, but I, I see some concerns with the Cowboys' offense that I didn't see last year. You know, When the Cowboys came into the town to play the Buccaneers last year, I, or when the Buccaneers went on the road, sorry, went on the road to Jerry, Jerry's world, to play the, the Cowboys, I was, I was scared. Their offense was nice. Uh, their offensive line opened up so many holes for Zeke. Zeke's so elusive, fast. Um, but I'm just not seeing the same firepower out of that offense that I saw last year. Well, like you said, I mean, the key to the Broncos destroying the Cowboys in the last game was they stopped Zeke. They stopped the run game. And that's what the Cowboys' bread and butter right there. Everything is built off that run game, in my opinion. And Dak, had, for the first time, had a lot of pressure on him. And he had to perform under it, and he didn't do great. I'm going to try to stop being as critical of Dak Prescott because I keep, I've, I've had a lot of problems with him, but he keeps proving me wrong. So I don't know what he's uh, actually going to be like in the next couple weeks, but I think it's important that he has this pressure right now and is starting to experience this. So he actually has to win games on his own occasionally. Zeke is not always going to get it done for him. And I think if, the cow, if Dak learns from this, there would be a better team because of it. See, as you can see, me and Connor have had arguments over the years. Uh, I'm definitely pro Dak Prescott. Connor has definitely been against Dak Prescott. So um, I'll always be quick to defend him. And one criticism I have of the Cowboys over the weekend is they did not run the ball as much as they needed to. I know they struggled, but they did not run the ball. Zeke, what, five or six carries? That I don't care how, how bad the run game's going. Zeke needs more carries than five or six carries. I think, I believe, in the fourth quarter, I looked up, he had nine rushes. The, the team had nine rushes as a team. As a team. 
Nine rushes for eight yards. I know you're struggling, but you can't pass, especially with how Dak Prescott throws the ball. He doesn't throw the ball down the field that much. You need to be able to run the ball. Nine carries is not enough. Nine carries will not win you a game. Whereas they stay committed, you know, only against the Giants. They ran the ball 24 times, 4.3 yards a carry. That's not amazing, but they stay committed to the run game, and they won the game 19-3. So I, I think the Cowboys down the stretch have to rely more on Zeke because he is the best player on that offense. And if they don't rely on him, then Dak Prescott's not going to get the help he needs, and the Cowboys aren't, aren't going to win 13 games again. I want to say, like, uh, like you said, I think Zeke is the most talented player on their offense as well. But you saw LT and uh, Deion Sanders talking about Zeke over the week and, and um, saying how they thought that Zeke gave up on the team. Like, he wasn't being a leader that they needed to be. And sometimes I think we forget how young Zeke and Dak actually are. They're still pretty young. Like, they're kids. They just they're their second year in the NFL. They're still, still learning the game. Yes, they had tremendous success, and they were way better than rookies should be. But we got to take a step back and look at them as young guys that are still learning in the NFL level. So I'm going to give them some time. I'm not going to take much from this uh, Denver loss. And I'm going to see them in a couple weeks, see what they look like then, because they could go right back to dominating, getting that running game back on track. I hope they don't. I really hope they don't. But we'll see what happens. So my last point on the Cowboys, and I could talk about the, I could talk about the NFL all day. This is why we, we kind of started this podcast, because me and Connor have found ourselves just arguing each other all the time. So why not have viewers listen to it? Um, but Zeke, last week, not only did they not commit to him in the run game, pass game, they didn't get him involved as they usually do. They needed to get him more involved. Four catches for 14 yards, um, only five catches a week before. You see it with the Bears last week. I was very impressed with how they get Tariq Cohen uh, involved in the offense. He really brings another element. And I think with, with how Dak Prescott throws the ball with the short game and everything, they need to get Ezekiel Elliott more involved in the passing game than he has been this year. Um, the one criticism, like you said, he's very young. There was an interception in that game where they threw it to someone else, and he was first irritated that they didn't throw it to him. Second, it was intercepted, so he stood there and watched the defender run the ball back and didn't go after him because he was more irritated about not getting the ball than his team uh, winning or losing the game. So, you know, still young, still needs to mature a little bit. We've obviously seen that with the suspensions, the domestic abuse, but you know, Ezekiel Elliott needs to get more involved. He needs to mature a little bit more. The Cowboys win 13 games. You're right. And I'm going to say this before we uh, run out of time. I want to talk about the Redskins for just a second here. So the Redskins, obviously, in the NFC East, they're, in my opinion, they're the wild card team right now. You never know what they're really going to do. I mean, you've seen in the first couple weeks, Kirk has kind of struggled. He looks decent on the final drive against the Rams, putting us ahead. But Jay Gruden, he talks about committing to the run game this year. And I really, really like what I saw out of the second game against the Rams. When we were running, we ran for over 200 yards. Got Chris Thompson. Rob Kelly looked great before his injury. Chris Thompson looks really good this year, which it could be a bargain. We signed him to a three-year deal before the season started, and he's looking great already. Has three touchdowns for his, through his first two games. And I think that our defense looks way better than it did last year. I think we add more talent. I think Ryan Anderson and um, Allen are going to be great additions this year. I think... Bashad Breeland has played well. Kendall Fuller has played especially well in the games that I've seen so far. He looks nothing like he did last year. He doesn't look hesitant. He's making plays in the backfield. I like the way he looks. And overall, I like the Redskins better than a year ago. The one problem I've seen so far is Terrell Pryor has been dropping balls. And that's not going to uh, go over well with Kirk Cousins. 
Cousins wants to find another receiver he can trust like he could in Pierre Garçon last year. Obviously, Terrell Pryor has all the physical attributes in the world that you want out of a number one receiver. And I think that it's going to pay dividends down the road if he can get that chemistry with Kirk. But right now, Kirk is only trusting Jameson Crowder as a wide receiver, I see. He's getting Ryan Grant more involved. You saw the game-winning touchdown last week, but he's not going to be the number one guy or someone that Kirk is going to turn to when the time gets darkest. So we'll see what happens, but I like the way the Redskins are heading right now, and I hope that they continue down this road. Yeah, the one problem I have with the Redskins, I actually have two problems with the Redskins. First one, strength of schedule is going to be tough down the stretch, playing one of the most difficult schedules in all of the NFL um, the rest of the season. So with a team that's not really overpowering, it's going to be tough to go down the stretch and really scrap together wins when you're playing a tough team week after week. And even if they're not playing strong opponents in the division, those division games are always tough. doesn't matter if the Eagles have are 3-8 and eight at some point in the season. It's still going to be a close game. It's still going to be hard fought. Uh, the NFC game, East games, that's what you get out of them. Um, and the other problem I have with the Redskins is they go out and they get Terrell Pryor this offseason. But I don't think they've utilized him enough in the offense as of late. Um, I know the stats might say otherwise, but there has definitely been times where Terrell Pryor um, and Kirk Cousins don't look like they're on the same page. There's been, there's been routes where he runs, he gets open, Kirk doesn't hit him, or vice versa. They, he, Kirk throws it to the wrong place, uh, miscommunications, stuff like that. So I definitely think if the, the Redskins won a chance at winning 10 or 11 games this year, that relationship needs to mature. Um, they need to work on their chemistry. But the Redskins are, you know, they're interesting because me and Connor talked about this earlier uh, this offseason. I really think that they're a 5-8 a five to, five to eight win team. Uh, him as a Redskins fan were a little more optimistic, but then he jumped the gun and said they could win 12 games so um, or 11 games. But I, I think that's a little premature. I don't know if they have the talent to do so, but I think they can scrap together wins down the stretch, and I think they are definitely a viable candidate for a wild card spot. But when you look at the wild card situation uh, in the NFC, you got the Panthers, you got the, the Buccaneers, you got the Saints will even be there, the Redskins. Uh, the Eagles, the Giants, there's, there's just a ton of teams that are able to go after that wild card spot. Um, and I even go out west when I was talking about this. So, uh, you know, very interesting, uh, but I'm, I'm excited to see how this season matures. So this we'll go on to our last segment of the day. We'll do this every week. Um, I picked five games this week. Uh, we're each going to pick our winners for those games. They're going to be the best five games of the week in our opinion. We will leave out Buccaneers games and Redskins games because we do not want to do not want to be biased. Um, so the first game of the week uh, comes on Sunday. The Patriots take on the Texans. Connor, who do you have? I'm going to definitely go with the Patriots on this one. They're just the better overall team, and I don't think Deshaun Watson's all that. Okay. I got the Patriots as well, so um, Deshaun Watson hasn't impressed me. Too much so far. I mean, he did have the 45-yard touchdown run. And that's about but it. But that was about it in that game. Um, we'll jump to the next game. We talked about the NFC East earlier. The Giants play the Eagles next week. The Giants are 2-0-2 oh, on the season. Uh, they're really uh, – they re- it's a must-win game. Uh, falling to 0-3 oh, is detrimental to your chances at win- making the playoffs. They're, as of right now, if you fall to 0-2, oh, you have an 8% chance of making the playoffs. That will fall significantly if they fall to 0-3. Oh, so huge game at Lincoln Financial Field. Connor, who do you got? Earlier, I was going to say the Eagles. But like you said, it's 0-2, and I don't see any team uh, going to 0-3 right now in the NFC East. So I'm going to go by default. I'm picking the Giants. Yep, I got the Giants as well. I think the Eagles have shown um, they are prone to inconsistency over the last two years. So uh, I think they fall in this game, fall to 1-2, same with the Giants. Uh, Our third game of the 
of the uh, slate is the Lions-Falcons. Um, the, the Lions, big win last night, 24-10 over the Giants. Um, on the road, nonetheless, and Matt Stafford got paid this offseason, now the highest paid player in the NFL. Uh, Connor, who do you got? I'm going to go with the Lions in this one. I think Stafford's wow. playing great. I know, I know, wow, right? I'm going to go with the Lions in this one. I think that the Falcons need a uh, heat check. They're gonna, I think they're going to get beaten this game by a last-second touchdown from Matthew Stafford, and I think it'll be beneficial for the Falcons in the long run, and I think the Lions are a hot team right now. I'm going with the Falcons. I've seen what that offense can do. Don't think the Lions' defense is as great as they played against the Giants yesterday. So I got the Falcons. Um, we'll agree to disagree on that topic. On to the fourth of the five games. Seahawks go on the road to play the Tennessee Titans. Connor, who do you got? I got the Titans. I have the Titans this year. I think they're a great all-around team, and I don't think the Seahawks' offense is anything right now. Jarrell Casey's going to feast on the the Seahawks' offensive line. Okay, so I'm going to go opposite again. Take the Seahawks. Um, I think that the addition of Sheldon Richardson in that secondary, you know, really showed last week um, all around. Like I talked about with the with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers earlier. They have talent at every level of that defense, and they're terrific. Um, I think Marcus Mariota has a fit, and Seahawks get the win. So the final game down the stretch, another NFC East game. Uh, well, one of the teams is in the NFC East. Cowboys play the Cardinals. Uh, Cardinals have struggled a bunch this year. A lot of questions whether Carson Wentz will be able to continue to play quarterback in the NFL. Uh, getting up there in age, very, really struggling. Uh, Connor, who do you got? I'm going to go with the Cowboys, which I hate to admit. I, the Cardinals have just been the most disappointing team for me with, over the past two years. I think they have a bunch of talent, and they just can't put it together. They haven't looked good, and it's reminiscent of last season. So until they prove otherwise, I'm not, I don't think the Cardinals are a great team. Yeah, so I'm going to go with the same on that pick. Uh, I got the Cowboys. I think they win handily. I think it's a two-touchdown game. I think the offense turns it around. They get the run game going once again, and Des Bryant – uh, proves me wrong because I know he's listening to this podcast. So, uh, yeah, there's our picks for the week. We both got the Pats, both got the Giants. Uh, Connor's got the Lions over the Falcons. I have the Falcons over the Lions. Uh, I got the Seahawks. He has the Titans. And we both got the Cowboys. So uh, we'll update you next week. Uh, thanks for listening to the show. It's our first premiere episode. Um, we, we're shooting to get on iTunes and tune in radio. And we want to thank you so much for listening. Uh, catch us next week. Thanks, guys. Catch you next week.